let me ask you this, Eric. Uh, do you know? Do you listen to podcasts? So, very seldom. Yeah. When when they were first when it first sort of like came out, not like our Melbourne and them guys like yeah. So yeah, I, I watched listened to a few of those. Yeah, it's kind of the gist of what I wanted to do here. I'm going to join you and have a cigarette. I could spend hours telling you like giving you the questions and uh helping you prepare and so on and so forth but like what i kind of wanted to do was just like let me give you some background so i uh and we're we're recording by the way oh that's what i mean by laid back and unprofessional like i'm just jumping right into it cool so i'll I'll give some background for folks and listen i struggled with a drug called kratom uh it's an opiate analog eric you've we talked about kratom before you and i i think absolutely yeah and it's vicious stuff it just eats your soul man just like alcohol did for me um the marijuana so i had a a lot of shit going on uh, with the job that i had i I don't know if you saw this or not eric but i left denison and just before i left i had a, a relapse on the kratom and i was like damn you know like so i'll tell you why i wanted to talk with you and record it like you know part of this is for my website and creating this is, you know, more about for me getting back in touch with my recovery and and the way that, te- you know, I, I let me put it like this, Eric, because I'm kind of meandering now and jump in anytime you want. Um, okay. Let me the reason I wanted you on is because so many points in my life, you have been influential and helpful in my recovery. Um, you're as far as my friends go, I think the foremost expert on addiction and recovery. But there's these things you say, these truths you've given me, these intellectual tools you've given me that uh, I'm not perfect with. Again, I, you know, I had a relapse. Uh, I, I'm a week clean again. Um, but these things that you say, uh, for example, here's something you said, Eric, that really resonated with me. And I'm paraphrasing. So these aren't your exact words. So when it comes to trauma and uh, depression, anxiety, all that, tackling the triggers that cause those emotions to happen you refer to that as the meat and potatoes of recovery does that make sense or sound kind of like what you said absolutely you know we you know i've been in recovery a long time matter of fact i just passed the 18 year mark uh march 22nd i think it's it's from my own personal experience i can i can tell you that uh when it comes to flat out recovery i have to run that back no, you're good, man. Like I said, we're all laid back, and I can edit anything you want me to edit out or pull out. So we're all okay, good. Run the question back by me again. Yeah, no. See, here's this. This is why I'm not a pro because I, I didn't even really phrase a question for you. I kind of just threw a thought at you, but I, I I think so. Again, you know, we're talking mostly to young Denison students. I'm 30. If you can just give me a the, the point you was looking for out of that last sure the opening statement you made uh, paraphrase again what i said That's you said what's... you uh you said that tackling your trauma and your triggers that's the meat and potatoes of recovery oh okay yeah so actually what i mean by that is you know recovery is is uh, is an inside job but mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times i worked it on the outside in other words i could always say the right things and you know put it in put it in words where it's you know it's really sincere really heartfelt open mind but yet uh i wasn't willing to do 
the hard work that's required mm-hmm. point A to point B in recovery. Yeah. No, uh, actually, for me, point, point A to point B. And that's, for me, it was hard. For me, it was hard to be honest. Mm-hmm. It was tough to be honest with myself about myself. It was always something I had to hide from myself. That, you know, I knew plain and simple that I knew this early on that, you know, I, I was an addict. My life was controlled by the drug. It's going to take a lot of hard work. I dug in there. I knew that, you know, work it takes being honest is simply being honest. A lot of the work is like that. Just something I had never actually done. I actually set out to this period of my life to be an honest man. And most of all, to be honest with myself about the addiction, the obsession and the compulsion and the denial and where it had got me to that point. Wow. A lot of my addiction was pretty consequence intense, I like to say. You know, go out there and release that addiction all over again. It always ended the same. Mm-hmm. For me, it was a prison set. You know, the jails, the institutions, you know, uh, had several what I feel were real near-death experiences. So the question was, know whether or not you know I, I would uh, be willing to give my life for for the buzz. So he told me they said, Eric, I'm almost guaranteed it, it'll kill you. But always would I take that hit? I would do something that I knew would and could kill me. Yeah. In the end, uh, you know that one of the major principles in, in recovery is a is a choice between life and death. I never really looked at it like. All those years, I, the tunnel vision is so narrow. It's all about that next hit. It's all about that next bug. You know, uh, that was something that I dug into and uh, uh, committed to and gave my all to for several years. I remember at the seven-year point, you know, I was like, what do I have to do to prove that I'm an honest man? And, well, continue to be honest. You know, just being honest. You know, being getting honest about all that, being open-minded to change, you know, and that takes hard work. Perseverance, it takes all those things that, you know, those qualities that, you know, I was at that time trying to build. So it wasn't so easy to, to be patient. 30, 60, 90 days, I'm still getting up in the morning. I'm still doing uh, this first step, this quick step, first step in my mind, you know. And then the, the you know, the, the willingness to continue to do that in those days i, I you know I, that just it just sounded so good the how honesty openness, and the willingness those were the three things coming out the gate that took i don't know what i really call the meat and potatoes you know it, it took a lot of hard work to get me to a place where those three things were not only internalized, but you know that's that inside every inside job working this way out. You know, in the past, where I had the mask on and I was the fake, the fraud, and uh, you know I get straight A's in recovery, I get straight A's in treatment. You know, you ask me anything and I'll give you a clear answer. You know, it's just when I wouldn't do what was necessary, what I would when I wasn't willing to do the things that have made me successful today in my recovery. Just leave me the hell alone. 
let me do what I do. Stay out of my life. I'd be fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> laughing because that's so familiar. So you, you brought up the inside work and then the outside work. And um, what resonates about that for me is that, you know, I, I always did the outside work, like wearing a mask, like you said, uh, keeping up this appearance of everything's fine, I'm good. And then uh, the reality is that inside I wasn't changing. I wasn't evolving. I was stagnant. And, you know, when you talk about doing the inside work, stop me at any point, but I think what you're talking about, or at least how I took it, is, you know, it's about honesty. So keeping truth first and foremost, especially when it comes to your relationships. Um, like, I think this is actually another thing you taught, you taught me, Eric, this idea that addiction is a disease of connection or a lack of connection, you know, like we kind of put distance between our, our, ourselves and uh, other people where, when we're in uh, the throes of addiction and, um, and from that we hurt other people and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, doing the inside work, um, I, 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 so here's, here's what I'll, I'll, I'll say real quick. Um, the inside work is what I, I lacked for the longest time. Um, I was never honest with myself. Uh, let me tell you this, Eric. Actually, my counselor for the first time called me an addict, um, which hit hard, but in a good way. Because I was able to finally use that honesty you were talking about and be like, oh, yeah. Um, I smoke 20 cigarettes a day. I just stay in my room and get stoned all day. I swallow mm -hmm. this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, it's, it's yeah, yeah. I, I, so I guess, you know, where I'm, I'm going to try and, and steer this towards is like, I think what would be most helpful for me is like, you know, you've been a sponsor, you've led meetings, like, when you go into the rooms and you see folks who are there and they haven't even started the outside work or let alone the inside work, right? Like how do you as a recovery and addiction activist, if you don't mind me calling you that, um, how do you approach people and, and, and help them see the truth and the honesty? Does that make sense? It makes sense, it really does. You know, a, a lot of people, myself included, we come to recovery. Let me see what's the best way to put this. Yeah, take your time because, like I said, I can cut all the pauses out. Yeah. So as long as you need to. Well, we, we, we come to recovery. And, you know, the, the season has already been planted. Mm -hmm. uh, but in, in order for those seeds to grow, we always go to the very first step in the honesty. There's just no other way. And so when it when it comes to Addie's coming through the door, uh, one thing I've always kept in mind was that you know uh, even when the when the drugs are making your choices, making choices for me. Even when the drugs were in charge and making them their choices for me, 
one thing I didn't know was that I still had a choice. Um, uh, when it came to being honest, and I know for a fact that from my personal experience, from addicts, I've known a lot of addicts that concur with this, that we're going to do what we're going to do when we want to do it, no matter what. That's 100% true. Um, yeah, uh, like it, it's not about consequences anymore when it's about that buzz. You know, we, we know the consequence, we, the consequence be down. So uh, if you've stepped one foot into recovery, now you definitely already understand that you have a choice and you wouldn't be there. You know, God puts us right where we're supposed to be at that precise moment, that precise moment for those seeds that have been planted to start to bear some fruit and start to spring up. So all that means to me is what happens next is up to the I attic, right? Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't uh, worry about what's said. I always say, you know, you, you know, uh, you can always tell more about an addict by what he does rather than by what he says. That's true. So those, those first seven days are vital as far as not using. When I got through that first day, I was a little, little more than amazed. So something in me said, maybe I really do want to do this. I was still in some denial, you know, you drag me kicking and screaming to recovery and then I fight my way up, everything I can do to get out of it. I come in looking for a way out. But once I got through that second day, you know, deep down inside, I knew that was something that I wanted and that I had to be honest about that. The only way I could ever break through that denial and as tough as it had been over all those years, through all those 20 years in prison to all those uh, homeless nights of, you know, all the pain that I have and misery that I have went through once in my life, I was honest about why I was where I was at. And, and that opened up recovery for me. That opened the door to recovery. And, you know, uh, so the question is always, you know, um, when at the end of the road, uh, you know, we find that we can't go on with or without the drugs. And, you know, uh, we all face the same dilemma. Shit comes out the book. What is there left to do? But go on as the best we can. And I had that. That was my thing. I'll just go to, on the best as I can. The jails, institutions, and death. You know, I'll just I'll go on the best I can or, or find a, a, a better way, a different and that's what all, that's all recovery is, a different way to live. And then and to start to build a new lifestyle, you know, the way you live. And when, when I got that, you know, and I, you know, it's just like, okay, well, uh, now I can make some healthy choices. Now it's, you know, now the, 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 the dope ain't making my choices for me, making my decisions, I'm, you know, and once I found that to be true about me, it's like, okay, this honesty shit is paying off because, you know, all, all the, all the defects in my character. Now, all of a sudden I was finding, finding some qualities that I had never really lost. And all of a sudden you think you, you can't, you go from zero to a hundred, you, 
you know, the, all of a sudden you the worst motherfucker in, in the world. You know what I mean? You know, I, you know, that self, how I see myself as, you know, I'm, you know, I did some things, I'm pretty tough on right back in the days. And, you know, you know, uh, they, they still call me OG, some of them, but, you know, uh, you know, that's a different life. But, you know, uh, that was key. You know, watching myself, checking myself on a daily basis and having that routine start coming out the gate, especially being grateful for another day, another opportunity to be clean. That, that was a big thing for me. I'd get up every morning and be really thankful for that. So I'd have an opportunity to do it all over again. So it's just a series of surrenders. I do it again. I got up. I surrendered to my disease. And, I, you know, I, I, I just, I do my affirmations and it just felt like right. So I had no problem doing it again and, you know, again and again and again. Because every time I'd done it, it just reinforced something in me that says, you're on the right path. And you know, the other qualities of the other principles start always kicks in. You know, you know, I had to be patient with myself, you know, and, and it was easier to do. That's all I had to protect was the 24 little hours. When I get to about seven or eight o'clock, I sort of exhale. But, you know, that was early on. That was five, six, seven, eight years in recovery. I was still doing that stuff. Still doing it now, but I was still doing it, you know, just... Out of that was just my routine. So, uh, yeah, twenty four hours is is twenty four hours, and and uh, I proved to myself that very first day that I could do it for twenty four hours. You ask, well, Eric, you ever gonna get high again? Uh, probably, <laughs> just not today. <laughs> no, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. You know, <laughs> and I'll wake up tomorrow and you know i'll wipe the slate clean and i'll and i'll jump in there and i'll do it all over again i will get to that one day that one day so so i haven't counted it up but you know try that for 10 years and or try that for 15 years and you know just getting up doing it all over again and and, and enjoying it you know they say well you know it's really like sex if you ain't enjoying it you ain't doing it right something's wrong i mean I don't know anything in life today that's more enjoyable. I mean, outside my grandkids for sure, but then to have the freedom from the active addiction and the, and the, the freedom that recovery gives me in my heart. It, it freed me up. It took away some of those old demons, old bugaboos that used to come back and haunt me about back in the day. You know, I, you carry your past with you wherever you go. You know, if you, don't resolve it. Don't come to terms with all that. You know, uh, you know, this, the issues that I carried around were so heavy, so such a burden. And when that relief, when you feel that relief, it's like, you know, it's that's better than the buzz. It's like, you no, know, I could never give that up to go back to the pain and, and suffering I got out of the addiction. That's bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, it, there's something about having a measure of joy in my life that was really fought tooth and nail for. You know, it's like, that's the meat and potatoes. It didn't come easy. And a lot of us think all you got to do is put down the dope and everything's going to be all right. 
I put down the dope a thousand times and everything wasn't all right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know something's missing out of this fucking you know. I, I, I just spent five fucking five years in prison with cocaine charge. And I come out of prison, the very first thing I want to do was some cocaine. How insane is that? Uh, you know, I, I look back on those things. I'm standing, my sister OD and died. She was a year older than I was. She OD and died. And I was standing at her funeral over office wearing all these vows with, you know, about no money, you know, the crack cocaine with done my dear sister. And sheesh. Oh, we wasn't out of that parking lot an hour and a half before we was back on the pipe. So um that's really you good. Get, you see where I see where I'm going with that one. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, so I just, you know, when 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 I'm when I when I first felt the freedom from all that, you know, it's like, you know, I had been enslaved by the drug, drugs had drugged me through the through the mud and and debased me and uh, turned me into something that I really wasn't. Uh, when I finally up that I don't know, it was around the four, five, six year mark that I really felt that, you know, this is good. I mean, it's like the best decision I ever made for myself my entire life. And I knew it. How can you turn back? How can you turn back from something like that when it's something that you know in your inner heart, the best thing in the world for you? So never, ever pick it up again and go back to the way things were. I mean, now, you know, that's just me. It's a solid recovery, but I got some buddies that feel the same way. There's, there are, there is a point of no return. And to just a comment on a, with something you said, uh, everything, everything you do, everything I've done is one day. It's all that one day, that tired old lie, that tired old lie. Yeah. Once, I, once an addict always an addict yeah no everything you're saying is really resonating with me like you're on fire i want to say but, like, but, but, but let me in let me tell you the end of that yeah yeah go for it sorry because this is this is it this was important to me to know that you know this was possible and it does say that part of life once an addict, always an addict would no longer be tolerated in this society or in the addict himself we do recover so you know that's like that's like keep you out on the prize because you you'll hit that point to where in a, in a moment of clarity you'll know deep down inside that that change that you've always longed for that could never you thought that could never happen and I'm you know it's really me I thought that could never happen can and will and it did and it's like that's the freedom I was talking about. You know, it frees you up to do so many other things in life. And like, I'm still experiencing some things. I'll be 65 in June. I'm experiencing some things for the first time in my life that I've never done or never had because of the life I live. Just give me one second. You're good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got, wait a minute. Give me a, give me a new, give me a new toilet installed up here. Nice. Yeah. Good to hear. Get a new throne. 
the new porcelain yeah. throne. <laughs> yeah. That's like when I got out of prison, 99, you know, the only thing I wanted more than anything else in this whole world, you know what that was? Your own toilet? No, my own bed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the king size version. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They're sleeping on them cots and metal cots, all this. That's, you know, so I'm still experiencing some things like that. So you're young, man, and, that, and that's all that's going to come. So you hit those moments, you know, and I mean, I don't know. I went into recovery as a teen in the AA and, and didn't come out on the other side until, what, almost 40 years later, 35 years later. But yeah. I came out on the other side. And, yeah. uh, and how many times did I doubt whether or not that was possible? I accept the label as an addict. I don't, I don't take that literally. Mm-hmm. We don't even say recovering addict because you know that's that was a label that was pertinent in the past, but has no room in my thought process in my life in the present. So you can call me an addict, but I don't accept that label because we do recover. And uh, I've done the, I've done the hard work and put the time in to be able to to say that with with pride. Yeah. But by no means, by no ways does that does that mean that you know I wouldn't have gotten that to that point at two years in my recovery. I'll just put it like that. You know, that's work towards. That's what you work. That's what all the that's when all the hard work pays off. But you gotta do the work to get there. And that's when you know it might take five, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Somewhere at some point, if it don't kill you, you come to that point to where, hey, you know, gotta find a new way to live. I mean, it, it dope to, to, it just ain't doing it anymore. Yeah. And a matter of fact, it's, it has the opposite effect. No, we all we all come out the gate with a whole lot of fun, boy. Hey, I you know, and I ain't glamorizing it, but boy, I can think back of some really good times back when I was younger, and and it, and it was seemed like the party and the buzz was the best thing in the world. I didn't have anything to compare it to it, maybe feel so. You know, especially coming out of the type of life I came out of, where you know it's all all bad. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, that's kind of where I want to jump to next, because I've never asked you this question. And if you don't want to go into it, you don't have to. Um, If you want to keep some stuff private, I understand completely. But I want to know how you came to your first day of recovery. And I I ask you that question, um, because, again, like I'm seven days into this uh, out of this relapse. And uh, what I'm trying to learn is the one day at a time idea does that make sense so like yeah, you you telling does. me yeah you telling me about your first 24 hours would mean a lot to me and help me out a lot you know again i'm already at the week mark but i still got tons and tons of 24 hours to go you know uh this time uh, it's easy easy that's that's a reference point that's i use a lot but i would think it's a good idea to get high I can go back to that point where I was 20, not even 24 hours clean, but headed to a meeting and I knew that, you know, uh, here I go again, you know, I've been down this road before going through this recovery deal and, 
hadn't quite worked up to this point, but you know, enough seeds have been planted that I knew there was some hope there. So I was gonna give it another shot. If not, you know, fuck it, I will do it all over again. I'll probably wind up in prison or, I mean, but when I came this time, that day, I was really as broken as I've ever been in my life. And that comes after a, a whole, almost a whole lifetime of, of, uh, trauma. Trauma is a good, absolutely. But the, the, the just suffering, the pain and suffering of, of being isolated and, and isolated and incarcerated. I mean, uh, so I was pretty broken and, uh, I just, I, I think I had a just a small, the smallest measure of hope you can have and still keep going without saying, fuck it. I just, you know, I'd rather be dead than have to go keep going through this vicious cycle of, you know, uh, uh, it's that cycle of addiction with the, all that it goes with it. And with me, it was more like, you know, uh, uh, the cycle involved prison or jail or some kind of separation from family. And I've been through all that. So I had a guy, but he's a really dear friend of mine. And uh, I come into the group. It was, it had been my home group, my very, my only home group. And I remember feeling so, so fucked up inside. He took one look at me and he recognized my pain for what it was. And, and I tell this when I tell my story. He looked me right now and said, man, Eric, that pain you feeling right now, you never have to feel that pain again. You never have to feel what you are feeling right now. You never have to feel that way again. Just don't pick up tonight and come back tomorrow and we'll get this done. That I last on to because you get to a point there's time when the the addiction it beats you all the way down to a point to where you just you look for an escape route some way to get away to where you won't have to feel that anymore feel that pain of a life a, a life of a, addiction you know it's, it's horrible of course you know that you know how how it gets you inside and twist your insides up and get in your head. And so what I did, instead of running from the drugs, I just ran from the pain. And that was my motivator. Pain is a, was a, was a motivator. It, you know, you know, I used to like to say, and I know it's true, you know, uh, nothing to keep you in your seat in recovery better than a well-kicked ass. And the question is, how well have my ass been kicked? My ass had been kicked so good that uh, I didn't, just didn't want to fight no more. And that's that other surrender on the outside where I just, you know, I just want to run and hide. My, uh, that, that room was my safe haven. When I get up in the morning, all I could think of was, can I get back? And I get back one more day, one more day. So uh, I, I gave it to the, the, the old seven year 
seven day mark. Telling myself, you know, it's day one, day two, day three. I got to day seven and I knew what was true and what you know is true too. I mean, not using will not kill you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, nobody ever died from not picking up. That's true. That's really true. Um, you know, when you bring that up, um, I think about... Oh, sorry. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll be down in a minute. I know it. Sorry about that. No, you're good. I, if you got to get going, we can uh, kind of, I can no, bring it. That's, that's just something going on. I don't have to get going. Okay, that's, good. Because I'm really enjoying this I conversation. I screams or something like that, you know. Then I'll dash down the steps. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. But yeah. So uh, even at uh, now, now, to be honest, even at day two and day three, I was still pretty, you know, on that pink cloud to say, boy, you know, this is different, you know. Well, it's not different, but, you know, once again, I find myself in recovery and, it, and not using for yesterday. It felt pretty good, you know, I get through one day. So there's it, it, no sense in lying to myself, telling myself I can't do another day when I know I can. It just didn't. I sat in prison a long time. And, and a lot of those times I did not use. There was a few times in prison where I did, but a lot of those times I didn't use. So I, you know, I, I understood that, you know, I could not use and be okay. But boy, once you pick up and you release that addiction all over again, that is, that is not apparent. Yeah. It's like, you, it's caught up in the obsession and the compulsion again. And then, you know, that's reinforcing that denial. So, you know, that's, for me, that was really key that, you know, when I got to that fourth day, I felt so fucking good, you know, but I stayed in the day, the reality of the here and now in this moment is what I would look at. Um, you know, we'll look at the past, we'll look at the present. I see where I was right now and say, hey, I'm content with this moment, not using. Uh, you know, I know there's a moment coming right after that, but you know, I'm I'm gonna get through those moments where something in me is still saying, you know, hey man, shit, this shit ain't gonna work, or oh, you you've done all this before and it ain't gonna work. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, um, the denial for me the longest time was uh, admitting that I was hurting, um, admitting that how I was treated, you know, by some people growing up was not right, but it also wasn't my fault. But, you know, so I'm kind of talking like pre-addiction, you know, pre yeah. getting into the drugs where uh, for me, what, uh, so I'll tell you what, what did it this time. Uh, if you're okay with that, if I can share real quick. Um, I, uh, Again, my counselor said, Josh, you're an addict. Um, my psychiatrist said not, he didn't use the A word, but he said about as much. And they both said, without communicating with each other, they both said uh, that I do better when I'm sober. And uh, man, when they told me that, I didn't want to believe that. Um, I, I thought, you know, that pain that I was denying... <laughs> And uh, that pain that 
I was using drugs to run away from. Um, I didn't, let's just, let me just put it like this. Cause I'm kind of meandering now. I, I wasn't honest with myself. I wasn't doing the right thing. And I wasn't being honest with myself and saying, Josh, what are you doing? So what led to this, you know, what triggered this relapse was working too much and stresses from jobs and uh, yeah. thinking I wasn't good enough. Um, and then thinking, well, this time will be different. Famous last words of every addict, right? Like how many times have you heard that? And how many times have you felt that this time will be different, you know? Um, yeah. But um, you know what I'm doing differently, like this podcast project talking to you, this is part of it. You know, it's like getting this connection and, and keeping this connection and, and taking in uh, the wisdom you have, um, you know? Um, so I, I, you brought up the present moment. That's another thing new. And this will go into the next question I have for you. Um, that is, would, you know, staying in the present moment, would you agree that's key to staying sober? Well, absolutely. You know, the reality is, you know, this moment is all we have. Yeah. Let me, can I stop you real quick? Real fast. Um, yeah. What I was going to ask too, is if you could, what you, what do you think the present moment is like, how do you know you're in the present moment? It, you know, does that make sense? Well, it makes all the sense in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I am content in any moment that I am not using drugs. Mm -hmm. So if uh, you find me and I'm irritable and discontent, you know, for, uh, it's, you know, basically it's because it's, it's my life is so consumed with crisis management that, you know, I'm always, you know, uh, you know, sort of like in my family, it's just a series of situations that I deal with with five or six individuals. And sometimes on a daily basis that, you know, uh, but it's not the same discontent. And, you know, we talk about, we talk about how the addiction manifests itself in, in a lot of our lives. We be, when we, when we caught up in that triangle of self-obsession where it's all about anger, resentments, and fears, uh, that's, uh, was a major struggle in my life, caught up in that, to where resentments, just, just, there was just so many, and they were so strong, I didn't call it resentments, I basically it was just hatred, whatever grievance I had, I felt, you know, I had been done really wrong by some really wrong type people, the anger and the fear, when I was caught up in that, I knew, I mean, and this was early on, I wasn't using it. But I still had those, I was still caught up in that, in the anger and the fear and resentment. I don't know, even past the year, you know, I still, all that stuff still hadn't been resolved. And I remember one day sitting up in group looking around and realized that, man, was I fucking pissed. I was angry about something, you know. I'm looking around, frowning up, looking at people, and people are like, whoa, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Everything all right? You all right? <laughs> and you know what I realized? That I was not happy. I said, fuck this, you know. You know um, I want to, I didn't come here to, to sit here all this time and look up and realize that I just wasn't fucking happy. And 
that's where it's going to be. I can go back out there on, on the street corner and hide my pain and a little whatever I'm going to do. Just realize, I'm, so, I mean, I, and I don't know where that came from, but I, but I wasn't. So, you know, how do you make recovery fun? Make it something that you just so enjoy doing that you can't wait to get up and put that suit back on again and, and go right back to that uh, laptop or that computer and, and do what you like, do what you love to do. How do you get to that point? When does that happen? When does all of a sudden, you know, it does feel good to be free? I like and what you're not, saying. Oh, sorry. And it's buddy. not, and, 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 and you never really know when that point is going to come. I, boy, I wish it came 20 years ago, but it did. So, so, so we know that, you know, uh, that if you're not enjoying it, you know, you, something's missing you're not doing something right and so uh i looked at i looked at myself and seen what it was that was missing that wasn't allowing me you know uh the pink cloud was gone you know you you can ride that pink cloud for seven eight months and still feel like on top of the world it just feels so good to be clean and shit but then um it wasn't long after that that you know uh uh, I came down off of that and I hit pretty hard. I realized, I looked around, I was shit. I ain't having any fun and, you know, start justifying getting out of there. Nobody, hell, don't nobody look like me. You know, I'm the only black guy in here. Nobody has been through what I've been through in the system. You know, I'm just, you know, comparing and contrasting and trying to, you know, justify not belonging and not fitting in. Basically what I did. And I've got pretty good at that over the years. I could, you know, uh, compare myself right out of there. Nobody, nobody like me. Nobody think like me. Nobody talks like me. Nobody acts like me. I just don't fit in with them. They say, well, all that will always be there. All the little nagging doubts and stuff until you find something to replace it with. What am I going to replace that with? So I looked at it and I, I knew what made me feel better than anything in the world was that one word of gratitude because I was I was grateful that I mean you know I might have been pissed off but boy it sure be using my worst day like that you know is is better than any day using and uh it's like in a moment of clarity it was like okay the only way that you can enjoy yourself is to what? Two things you enjoy doing, you know, you know, enjoy yourself. Make this conscious decision that it's gonna be a really good day and I'm gonna do some things, you know, some, I'm gonna take some quality time out for me. I'm gonna make this a, a really good day, a feel good day. Can, 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 can you consciously make a decision that make it a feel good day and, and, and do it, actually do it. Search out things that make you feel Know, that gives your life the meaning and purpose that you're looking for. It just, you know, like it's like putting on a Dave Chappelle fucking tape or something, yucking it up for an hour and a half. You know, just, you know, just something to bring out. I wanted to get in the habit of feeling good about a lot of shit, starting with me. Some meat and potatoes there, too, boy. You, you know, the only way you do that is every day. You work a little more on it, you work more on it day by day by day. 
you know, making that a part of my daily routine. So you see me, I, I'm in the group, man. The motherfucker, he's all, you know, you can tell, you know, you can look at a person that does that. Cause he, he just, he almost like floating to the room. It's got a glow about him. Things are really looking up, looking pretty good. Oh, Eric, and I had to be honest enough to admit that, man, you ain't drugs in over a year. You ain't got shit to be bitching and complaining about now. You know, you know, let's let's get back to getting up and, and having the gratitude of another day clean. Yeah, opportunity, opportunity to do it all over again. You know, it's the you know, it's like it's the same, it's the same thing every time. You know, I got a choice if I do it. I'm up. It's gonna be the best thing I've ever done for myself. If I don't, <laughs> shit, gonna hit the fan, and before you know it, you know. I'll be back down on the bottom again. So, you know, I get knocked down so many times. You keep getting up, you keep getting up, keep getting up. Eventually, I say, you know, I just don't. The prospect of having to get back up again is just like tired of getting up. I'm just gonna stand on up, and whatever it is is bugging the shit out of me. You know, we'll deal with that, but we won't. You know, you know that that dopey mentality and take you all the way back to. Before you know it, you kind of like you setting yourself up for a relapse again. You know, I, I've been through all that. I've you know I've done that before, and it's it was familiar. And I said, ah, "Good try." You know, mm-hmm. get me caught up in that, and no, that's, that's just not me anymore. So, so it's um, I will say easier said than done. But I know when I came out on the other side of that one, you know, that was a good choice. You ever, they, Forrest told me, if you ever get that feeling that things are not quite as it seems, you can always stop in the moment and start your day fresh. From this moment forward, I'm gonna make this the best day. You know, you know I can look back, you know, we, the average people, a lot like me, would, would I don't know, fight through cravings and triggers all day long and don't use them when the fight and then look back over the day and say man it was a bad day hey you know those are the good days and it, it shows that resolve that you know no matter what you think or what you feel you can still you can still make it through that moment through that minute and through that hour and through that day you know so i remember those days that first second I had a guy, see, I didn't come, I didn't go straight into NA, I went to AA. I went down to the pit. I had this old guy that I, I've been knowing quite a while. And he sort of, you know, yeah, okay, come on, he hang with me for a few days. You know, he would, I would go down to the pit in the morning and we'd hook up and uh, spend the day together and take me home and, you know, probably about to, fourth or fifth day, you know, I was sort of knew that, you know, uh, I should be in my group and, uh, nothing, you know, and I grew up, sort of grew up in A, so, you know, it wasn't like, you know, uh, I was thinking I got to get away from these Alkies or something because, you know, I spent enough time in the rooms A to, to be honest about my alcoholism to know that, you know, it, that's not, you know, where I want to go with that. But uh, uh, I was coming up the steps. I think it was my sixth, 
fifth or sixth day. And this lady um, who I've known for a while, you know, looked like a, you know, <laughs> pretty convenient victim to hear my sob story. So I pulled her to the side and I started landing on her, telling her how, you know, how crushed I was and all this pain I was in and how it, 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 it had got me again. And, you know, I, I'm in all these all this trouble and I'm, I'm having all these problems and I don't know if I'm on. She, she, you know, she told said, hey, really don't want to hear your sob story. You know, she started just like, really like crushed me right on the, on the spot. You know, it's like, almost like, she's almost like dogged me and turned her back on me and kept walking. And I was standing there like dumbfounded, like what the hell was that all about? I didn't know how to do Basically, you know, when you come like that and open yourself up and you're vulnerable, people will not, you know, use that to, to injure you any more than you already are. But she seemed to hit me right where it hurt. And that was a good thing for me. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I was good at that. I was good at pulling people in and sing my song and telling my sad story and getting them to you know, sympathize, not empathize with me. And for some reason, that was part of my denial. It's part of the, 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 the game I would play. Uh, and that's, that's outside recovery. That's what it was. Probably yeah. lost, on, lost on that point. No, you're good. Uh, you still got some more time? Cause I got another question for you. All right. And I just, I, I down that coffee. I'm going to go use the restroom again really quick. <laughs> I'm so sorry, man. That coffee's running That's right her. through me. Hey, I was drinking right along with you. I got some water over here. I'm drinking now. All right. Let me check and see what's going on down here. All right. I'll be right back. There we go. Uh, everything's fine. Nobody's down there. All right. That's good. Yeah. No, this is like off topic, but I'm going to, you know, bring this up in this interview anyway. I, I was just thinking about, so 2019, it was uh, the week of the 10th of June, 2019. And I remember uh, you really helped me out um, because that June 8th, that weekend there, I, you know, I, I won't go to I, I won't go too much into the story but i had a terrible drunk man and uh i remember hitting you up and being like eric i need to talk to you i need someone to talk to and we just chilled on your porch for about two hours talking i remember that yeah that was one of the best conversations i had that's where you know i think you first mentioned the meat and potatoes um and then another good time i was thinking about um you know you 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 were the, the the food you make is out of this world, dude. The ribs. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Uh, and Jack Schuler, I remember I was over there just hanging, watching you cook some ribs. Uh, and then Jack Schuler came over, and we ate some uh, ate some of your cooking. That was one of the most serene days I've ever had in my life. Uh, just chilling and talking without the masks on. Does that make sense? Just human yeah, to human, no bullshit. Yeah. And then like what we're, what you're doing in this interview is you know like. This is, I, I, I really admire how you're authentic all the time, you know, um, 
you're not controlled by anxiety or anything. It seems like you're just, you're, you're very strong in your recovery and in your sobriety, you know, who you are, you know, what you are. Um, you were, you were the first person I met that, uh, and I hope I'm not being a flatterer here. I just, again, I was thinking about these things as I was going downstairs. Um, you were the first person I met that was active and dealing with their mental health, you know, yeah. and I, I met you at, uh, I met you, um, 20, uh, end of 20, no, beginning of 2016. I remember, uh, you had a Newark think tank on poverty shirt on and uh, yeah, because of you having that shirt on when I got out of rehab back in 2017, I was like, well, shit, what am I going to do? Oh, there is that guy, Eric. He was in the Newark think tank on poverty. So maybe instead of getting drunk and doped up, I should just go and get involved in local politics. And, yeah, you know, I have you to thank for that. I don't think I've ever done that. Like, thank you for being that link. But that changed my life. And that put me on the, 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 the groundwork that you laid, you know, with your recovery, your methods, your intellect. Uh, I borrow consistently from in my recovery, but also my politics. But now I'm just getting really off topic. I mean, um, you know, I just, I, while I'm doing this interview, I just wanted to like share that appreciation on the record. Like, well, yeah, that was really dope of you. Um, a big part of my recovery was people showing me the way. And so I certainly understand exactly where you, where you, how you feel that way. I mean, I was a mess, man. And uh, it was apparent that I was caught up. I was really angry and really, you know, hateful and, and really sorry. And I did suffer from some mental illness in them days. And I, and I, I just come out of my really hard winter dealing with my depression. It was by some miracle, um, and and you know I I worked on some things that I didn't wind back up in counseling. I, I you know I thought about it a couple of times, maybe it might be, but I thought it'd be even better at this time in my life to to work through it and to, to you know you know I understood I understand the the basis of it and uh, I understand it's you know the, you know a lot of people going through it, especially in the winter time when you don't get that sunlight we need and you know uh, during this pandemic things you know, you know you, you, as the as, as the deaths climb and the news gets really tragic and shit you know you absorb all that and before you know it you know I was consumed with the, the, the state of the world and the, the worries of the world and shit like that it, it, like it was blowing my mind you know it was, it made me crawl into my shell and hide. Made me, you know, uh, disengage. And at the same time, you know, uh, going through the, the four years with Trump, you know, uh, it's hard not to be affected by the the, the overt racism you see from the, from white people that's never going to change that those ideals and attitudes they're always like that it's like nature nurture it was nurtured it was 
it was impressed on him at a young age that, you know, uh, just being of white race was uh, puts you in a position of, of power and you can exercise that power by, you know, uh, hating on minorities and, you know, blaming them for your problems. So go ahead, man. Just... Yeah. And listen, uh, sorry, as you were talking, I was bringing up um, a web browser because uh, what you're hitting on, I think, is is uh, something that I wasn't even going to, uh, you know, bring up, but I think is important for us to talk. Well, important. I think, again, you're the I, I consider you the master of recovery here and and uh, that disengagement you were talking about, how the world is tragic. Um, you know, uh, we just saw. A 13-year-old boy, Adam Toledo, killed by Chicago police. A teenager in Columbus, killed by police. So how do you stay sober in the face of all this? Like, what's your secret for that? How do you stay sober in the face of these tragedies, but also not get disengaged? Is that too hard of a question? Like, too loaded? Or it, it, Just let me know. I, I'm curious. Well, you know, you know that, that's a good question because I have that was part of my really hard work to reinforce the notion that uh, I cannot justify using by anything that goes on outside of me. Uh, if I do, that's just a convenient excuse and I want to use again. So that has nothing to do with the state of the world. All that has nothing to do with whether or not I use or not, but it has a lot to do about how I feel in my mood. You know, because it does get pretty dark out there when you when you you're looking at it all, and and I've been looking at it all since the '60s, '70s, through the '80s, through the '90s. It's not uh, it's nothing new under the sun when it comes to this, this racism. It, it, if, if nothing else, it seems just a lot more powerful today. But at the same time, in the '70s, it was. You know, I could say the same thing. It's just a lot more pop. It's really intense. And today, you know, it's growing by leaps and bounds. And, uh, you know, uh, thank God for uh, the minority white people that stands with blacks and browns and fights against these old ideals and attitudes that causes uh, a, a large part of this population to be so dishonest in their racism. And uh, I mean, by dishonest, I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing to uh, use racism to, to make yourself feel better about you. But when you know is is based on a lie that you really aren't superior. I mean, as, as a human being, DNA, you know, is nothing really superior about the white race, Except that they have the power to be able to uh, declare that you know the white race is masters of the universe, and anybody else that's uh, not of the white race are marginalized and, and oppressed, and you know treated like shit, don't deserve to to share in the bounty of this country. That's not going to change anytime soon. I think about my dad and I think about my grandpa, but I really think about my dad because my dad, you know, sort of 
lived in the fear part of that obsession that self-obsession that you can't stop thinking about and and it's some scary shit too so there's some white people that feel pretty strongly about you know uh uh, making sure that you understand that you are less than and not worthy and you don't fit in. It's just, uh, it's mean to, it's hard to put it in words. You know it if you ever felt it, if you've been mar marginalized for any reason and been, you know, you know, you, you, know, you know that feeling. But when it comes to a matter of race, you know, uh, that, feeling is basically a part of my DNA and it goes all the way back to, to slavery. And, he, and uh, I, that's all I've ever known was it, the, the, I mean, to be a fact that there's racism in this world, in this United States that uh, has always been here from the beginning of time. And I don't know if Maybe in my grandkids' grandkids' days, it might be a multicultural society that we can all, you know, join in and feel equal and all that. But you know, uh, uh, I don't see that coming anytime soon. Not certainly not in my lifetime. I know my dad hoped like hell that he would see it. He held on, living all through Jim Crow and all that. But you know, he still had a glimmer of hope. But in the end, you know, I seen his hope fade because the world just seemed to get worse and worse and worse. I mean, every year. I mean, when I was growing up in the 70s, cops was killing black folks like it was going out of style and they could get away with it. But no, so still wasn't none of this shit like we have today where somebody have the evidence right there that give you this blast across the world and uh it was pretty it was pretty tough and i lived through some really tough times when the racism was right at the center of everything i thought and, and did just because it does consume consume you with the fear and my dad lived through that but i didn't i refused to live through that fear because i seen how bad it hurt him i chose the anger what launched me into my life of hate and crime, and drugs and all the above. And I used it to justify a lot, my behaviors. You know, when, when I was sitting in that cell, you know, it, it was always the man, you know, I could never look at myself and see any, anything that said that, you know, I deserved what I got, but you know, truly, I know now that, you know, I'm getting to that age where the best I could do is what my dad did. Try to instill as much of love as opposed to the hate. You know, we all come out of the school, Martin Luther King, nonviolent. You know, we, you know, you can't you can't fight hate with hate and all that, you know. My, you know, my dad was he was down with all that. And at at some time I was too. But you know, the anger seems to trump the fear when it, you know, when when you know, you know, that uh, I'd much rather be angry than scared. I got a chance when I'm angry. 
because you know it, it brings a certain strength that will allow you to you know to, to not only defend yourself but to be aggressive in certain situations where you know it, it's really it's really bad when you living like that and uh, so uh, I you know I, go ahead yeah I was just gonna say I really like how you brought it to anger. And how you're speaking, how what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you're saying anger is not the way. You know, anger is especially dangerous for us in recovery. And I mean, it's okay to be angry, right? But you can't let that consume you and you can't let that be your existence. Does that make sense? It does make sense because it, the anger does, uh, it does uh, just consume you. And, uh, there again, the end is always the same. I've always got got it back in spades. So, yeah, so uh, I worked hard on that, you know, because, you know, uh, and, and it really paid off. I mean, it's, it's just to be able to love again is, a, is another one of those golden keys, you know, you just, work hard to learn how to love and to learn my learn how to love myself and to love others equally you know and and uh and 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 I do mean unconditional love where where you know you don't have to be black or you don't have to be you know the next kind you know you know we don't have to have anything in common we can be like-minded you know we can all we can fight for the same justice we can fight for the same peace it's like oxymoron. You fighting for peace? It's like, wait a minute, Ox. I like oxymoron there. But yeah, so uh, I credit uh, Candace. Let said how uh, you know just the, that chance meeting we had led to you coming into the thing. I just happened to run into her one day when she said, "Hey, you know they got this new deal going on down at the library." And it's, something about poverty, I want to go down and take a look at that. Just so happened that we, we ended the Second Chance Network not even a week before that, and I was like lost. We didn't have any place to go or nothing to do. So uh, going there that day gave me something that it's like you'd be grateful, forever grateful for what it did for you. This that chance meeting gave me something that gave my life the meaning and purpose that I had always been looking for, but I could never find. And I found it, you know, at, you know, actually on my birthday in, in, in 2014, when that first meeting, because that was just, gave me just what I needed to, to, to get into an organization or a, a group of people that were doing things around my issues addiction, jobs, mental health. I mean, those were those are things that I've been struggling with for years and years and years. Now I now I have the opportunity to focus on it and get out of me and help others with that. I wound up going to when they I got the seat on the board of St. Vincent Paul going to Vincent uh, Uznam training to become a Vincentian. I mean, come on, man. I mean, that's that was like 
night and day for me. It was like a whole new world opened up. And it really made me feel that, you know, I had finally got to a point in my life where I could look at myself in the mirror and really be all right with who I was, what I was doing. And what I was doing to me was really important because there was a lot of people just like, that was growing up just like me, poor and, you know, food insecure, it just, you know, I mean, really on the, on the low end of the social economic scale, me being able to reach back, try to pull somebody up from that, it was like, it, it just, especially when we would go on the home visits and go to people's homes and, and talk to them and they, they try to feel their needs and stuff and to come out of that situation knowing that just getting that electric bill paid was a big deal. I remember it was a big deal with me when, you know, I had no money, no job, no nothing. And now the electric's off, you know, what am I going to do? There, there's, there's nobody like, say, Mr. Paul, that would come in and step in and actually, you know, take that pain away. So yeah. to be able to do that, to be able to do that, yeah, this is what, you know, we do. You know, we get out, get out ourselves and help others. That's, uh, that's really a basic golden key in recovery. Got to get out of myself and help others. And at that time, that's what I needed because, you know, you get wrapped up in, in me and indeed, geez, caught up in my shit and have in my head and bad things are bound, bound to happen. <laughs> I mean, I had a history of it. Bad things are bound to happen. So that's to, that's to be looking, you know, accentuating the positive and looking for something really good that really makes you feel good that, you know, you don't need any any chemical. There's no chemical to do that for you. It's just, you know, it's like, you know, also, I'm just going to take to the sky on a natural high and I'm going to do things that give my life that oomph that makes me say, hey, you know, can't wait to go to sleep so I can get up and do this all over again. And that's what it was, the think tank that day. It's been almost seven years now. I can say, you know, the fire banked a couple of times, a couple of times I, you know, needed uh, a little prodding to get off my ass and get off the couch. But I was the one that I always used to complain about, especially people in recovery. All they want to do is in the basement in the church on them fucking hard ass chairs, but with something really meaningful that was going to really help the addict population, they would not come out and be what they would consider be exposed. What the hell are you hiding? Why would you hide a, a recovery? Why would you not want anybody to know? That's still a little dirty little secret that you don't use drugs anymore and that you found a way out. And there's other people that still looking and you can't say, hey, I found a way out. You know, I don't, I, I never say if you want to, what I got, do what I did. But I say, there's a, there's a way. Sometimes that's how we find our way. We take, you know, we, you know, we take the hand of that person in front of us and we go along. We, we, we follow, make decisions, no drugs today. Time will heal those wounds. Before you know it, it ain't about using no more. It's about living your life. Living your life to the best of your ability, to the fullest. You know, every day is not my best day, but, you know, it's, Month, you know, like my best day using with the, is there such a thing? My <laughs> best day using, hey, how many them? At the end, it wasn't no, it wasn't no fun anymore. Yeah, you know, 
And then, then you're stuck for real when, you know, it's no fun and you can't find a way out. And that's when things really takes a turn for the worse, really, because you want out, mm-hmm. but you can't find a way out. So how do you find a way out? You find somebody else's got out. So that's what I sort of use the think tank for. And I was doing a lot of things that, you know, really, maybe, I had to admit, man, I think that was pretty dope at one time. We we, it made me feel like, hey, we really, you know, we're doing it, man. You know, this is what we should have been doing all along. I don't see why all, every black folk, every black person in North ain't sitting up in one of them chairs. But when I realized that the black community in North has been beat down so bad, it, I'm going to say they are hopeless. They're, they are more indifferent than you would believe. We don't care one way or the other. You know, just not not a major concern okay my problems are my problems and hey ain't none of your business i'm fine that's a that's a denial that people in poverty live in too yeah you know and we certainly don't want anybody else to know how we how we live in so um that's basically what you have to do you know everything comes down to making a conscious decision to take action on this issue, this problem, and to do the things that I know will work, that's been tried and proven. I know a hundred people right now that I, I could talk to that could tell me something that works in their recovery for them. Only way I know it's gonna work for me if I try it for me, actually apply it, and do it, do it like I, like I know it needs to be done totally with a full commitment. You know, we, you know, we addicts, we good at that. You know, we, we good at making those commitments not so good at keeping them you know (laughs) (laughs) you know you know i commit to doing it then you know all of a sudden just like i said eight months down the road i ain't have no fun no more now you know you know i'm I'm tired of going every night and every other night every night you know man it's you know so i mean when when i when i break it down in my mind to really down to the basics it really is and i'm gonna say easy but it's so doable because it's so enjoyable when you're doing something that really makes you feel good about a lot of things especially yourself and one thing knowing my past looking back on my past and all those fucking horrible days of addiction a day clean it's like hey i'm okay with that i'm good with that that's something I always want to be good with. That's, you know, no reason why I wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. You, it's been, I, 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 I should have expected this, but we've been talking <laughs> for an hour and 30 minutes. Uh, I well, thought we, this is always what happens though with anytime I yeah. sit down and talk with you and I give you my ears and I just listen to your truth. It's, uh, it's really absorbing and, uh, and there's a healing quality to it that I'm really grateful for. Well, you know, that that ain't because I'm so damn smart now. Let me tell you this. You know, I, <laughs> I, I figured this one out, too. Every time I get to thinking that I know a little something, God has a way of humbling me and putting things in my path that make me realize that, you know, it's still a lot, still a lot to learn, still a lot to know. But you can always speak on your learned experience. Yeah. Speak that, that you call it that truth is what it is. So, you know, that's a, 
a strong key of recovery. And that's what sort of uh, made me popular in the rooms because everybody wasn't doing that. Everybody wasn't just coming right out and telling the truth. And I, and, and, I, and I was so angry that I would put it in such strong terms that you knew I wasn't, I wasn't bullshit. Uh, and I was serious. And, and a lot of that was just basically to convince myself that, you know, all I needed was just one more day. I used to tell myself, if I can just make it one more day, everything's going to be all right. If I can just make it one more day, everything's going to be all right. Yeah. And that's all you that's all you want. That's all I wanted was everything to be okay when it comes to this addiction. For once in my life, I wanted that to be behind me and not it's like I'm not using, but I'm still all caught up in the, the dope, still making my decisions for me. And I ain't even using any fucking drug. And I'm still can't get it out, you know, I'm still fighting a war against something I'm not even doing. And I'm like, what's up with that? That's just that's the type of mentality where I fed in, you know, that's what dope fiends do. Mm-hmm. We sit around and if we're not using, we thinking about using. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do, man. Yeah, that's true. Think about using, you You're know? right. You're right. <laughs> so, you know, and we're gonna always, like I said, we're gonna always do that. We gonna always think that then we find something to replace it with. Yeah, you find something to replace that shit with or it'll always be there. Wake up one day and man, I had a fucking using dream, and I jump up out of bed like, like frantic, running around the room like, well, what the hell have I done? And you know, oh, oh, it was just a dream. No, nail through the is, board. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the reality is, man, sometimes my mind plays tricks on me, but like, but you know something, man. The reality is, I never have to worry about any of that old pain and suffering again, as long as I don't pick up just for today today now as as that progresses as I, I've got this one day at a time concept down pat and the reality of the here and now down pat it's just a time of being patient with myself and knowing that there is going to come a time even at 18 years one month clean that my mind's going to say boy it'd be a good idea to bring me one of them cold uh, Mike's lemonades they're not so bad you know they're not while I was rose with mad dog or anything and I could probably drink one of them and I'd be all right. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, it never works like that. <laughs> but you know, but you know what happens when I when those thoughts come and I've trained myself for this to happen. I think I told you this before. All kind of claxons and sirens and warning signs and danger signs <laughs> go off my my brain of uh, fireworks and shit. It is like it's coming out of my ears and shit. You know, it's just like danger, danger. Because I know how what's going to happen when I do that. Yeah. If, if I've given it that one little thought that hey, maybe that one little, uh, not even a whole can, maybe a half a can, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. That's me telling myself and buying the same old lie I've always told myself. And that's from the very beginning. I, I just told myself that same lie in different forms over and over and over again till one day I say, you know, that's a damn lie. Huh? Yeah. You tell yourself that lie so many times, you convince yourself it's the truth, it's the truth. And then all of a sudden you realize that's not the truth. 
Yeah. Why am I lying to myself about that? So, okay, okay, here it is uh, six months later and everything's fine and here comes that thought again. I ain't even got time for no virus shit to go. I just say, hey, that's a fucking lie. That's a lie. I'm going to see it for what it is. I'm going to call it for what it is. And in that moment, moving this moment, moving forward, I'm going to be all right with being all right. I'm just another, just another day without peas and drugs. What else? You know, la di da. It's no big deal because it's not. Because that's what I want to do anyway. I'm up there. Ain't like I'm fighting to do something that, you know, struggling to do something that I really don't want to do or I really do want to do. I'm struggling to do something that, not to do something that I really want to do. Let me put back that back in my head at that. I'm struggling to do something that I don't want to do, which don't make sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Why would I struggle to do something that I don't want to do? Just don't do it. That makes That's absolute not sense. It's not hard to do something you really don't want to do. Yeah. But if I want really want to do it, then you know, I'll I'll set it up somewhere where I'll convince myself and talk myself and justify it, and then I'll then I'll do it. But I have to be honest to myself. I wanted to do it all along. That's intellectualizing, right? Yeah. I wanted to do it all along. It's it's part of my truth. Every time, you know, you call. That's not relapse. I just wanted to get high. That's all. You can call it whatever you want to call it. I wanted to get high. And I, I know for a fact, it goes for me. When I want to do, when I wanted to get high, I'll get high. But I'm not going to get high against my will. Now I, can, I mean, does that make any sense? It makes perfect sense. Like, um, it actually it matches up with a lot of what you've told me in the past before. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's yeah. like, hey, you know, when I, when I relapse, you know, that's what I call it. When I relapse or lapse, that's the word my counselor uses. He says, lapse. <laughs> um, you know, uh, when you like go on a, a mini, a month long drug binge and then you're like, oh, well, I lost recovery. It's on the, okay. Um, and just, they tell you, oh, you didn't lose it. You didn't lose your recovery. You just got high. You yeah. get right back like, over oh, there. You still got your recovery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, boy, but it might be time for me to start square one and get honest again. Yeah. I did lose something. I lost everything when yeah. I picked up. Yeah. I mean, then once released that addiction all over again, it's I don't care what you call it. Relapse, relapse. You got high. Mm-hmm. You're an addict. Yeah. You're going to Keep getting high. That obsession is going to get stronger and stronger. The compulsion to use gets stronger and stronger. Your denial is going to come back in space. And before you know it, you look up and it's two years later and you've been drugged down through it a fucking again. And you hit the same spot you hit the last time. And I tell myself the same damn thing. What the hell happened? Well, what happened was that half a can that you thought was going to be all right, you picked it up and you drank it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was going to say. And, yeah. And the disease took over from there. You didn't yeah. have to do no more work. It yeah. did everything else for you. It's like, call it what you want, but at the end of the day, yeah. I wanted to get high. I wanted to get drunk. That's, you know, what it is. And then it, that's, 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 that's good language, Eric, because that, that, that brings on uh, accepting responsibility, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, why, why did I relapse? Well, I wanted to get high, you know? And yeah. then that leads for me into like, well, why did I want to get high? Well, I worked for three weeks straight and I thought I needed a boost, just one little boost, nothing bad. Well, you're right. Again, Eric, there's never just one. Never. 
never ever like that's I, we're, I, I don't want to there's one question I want to get to before uh, we end this this discussion but you know um, something that I, I want to digress on real quick is that uh, well shoot I'm losing it damn you know it, it, but what I, I'm agreeing with yeah. you 100% like everything you said yeah that's my lived experience too man been there done that and so with that lived experience I sort of talk myself into doing some things different. You know, they said, well, you know, uh, you mentioned person. Let me just go here. You mentioned this. Uh, we like to say, and we, and we say this in group, put down the drugs. You lose that desire to use. And now you're looking for a new way to live. Now what's next? Personal responsibility. Now it's time for me to be responsible for my recovery. No more of them lame-ass excuses I've always used to justify picking up again. Oh, yeah. When things are bad, oh, my God, you know, this fucking mental, my mind is just, oh, at work, it's, you know, I mean, we can find a really good and convenient excuse to pick up if that's what we're looking for. Yeah, that's 100% that's, the truth. That's, 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 that's the truth. I just so, did that. Yeah. No, no. There comes a time when there's no more excuses. The only reason you got high was because you wanted to. Now you, you, now I'll keep saying you. Um, now I suffer the consequences of that action. And the consequences was pretty steep because I stayed out there a little bit this time. And now it was, it had beat me down to a point to where, you know, this is like the the, 40, the, the 20th, 30th time this done happened to where I didn't claw my way back out of the hole, stood up and brushed all the mud and shit off and then turned back around and dove my ass head first right back in there again, fight my way out, you know, everything in the world to get, get out. I got to get out of this hole, oh, man. And I, and I work hard to do it just to turn around, fall right back in there. After about the 20th or 30th time of doing that, it's like, okay, you know, there's that fucking hole again. Huh, okay. I take another step, I'm falling it. Uh, if I leap, I'll probably not make, <laughs> make, make it my fault. Hey, this time I ain't gonna try to jump. I ain't gonna dive in there, I'm not gonna fall in there. I'm just gonna go around the motherfucker because I know how it feels to hit the bottom of that motherfucker and to fight all the way back. That is old. That's what I did. Like rehab six, seven times. I mean, in and out of the joint, all these different programs and shit. Every time I hit bottom again, I fell in that hole again. When do you stop falling in the fucking hole and getting up sense to say, there's the hole and there's a way around it? There's a way around it. Now, now, personal responsibility to me means that, you know, uh, I know better. Yeah. I know better. So uh, I don't care what I tell myself. If I pick up, there's no no defending that because I knew better because it's done happened. You know, it's just like the, it's like the, the, the history of my addiction. A lot of people are like that same way. We take the long way around. But before we get there, we beat the shit out of ourselves and we 
fucking fall in that hole so many times. It just, you know, it just gets old. I cannot continue to live like this. Yeah. Time, especially when time starts, <laughs> run it out on your ass. I mean, one <laughs> thing going through your, your teens, your 20s and 30s and 40s, once you get up there in the 50s, and it's a whole different ball. I didn't get clean until I was 47. And I already thought I was a done deal. I was like, man, I'm old and, and just spent. And any hopes or dreams I had long past, I mean, my best days are really far behind me. And it's, you know, I looked up, there was not a whole lot to look forward to. Just paying that, praying that just for the day, the, the pain diminished just enough so where it's bearable. Early on, it, you, know, you can't really take it. It's just too much. And uh, so we get to that point, and it, it's like a moment of clarity. You, you say, well, you know, okay, let me do the end of the road. I think that's one thing that I never really read it in a way that it really impacted me on a deeper level. But it's at the very end of, of uh, I think, won't be revealed. It says when when we get to the end of the road and we can't go on with or without, there's nothing left to do. But I think I said this earlier. Uh, going on as best we can to the bitter ends or finding a new way to live. Now, he says, uh, in years gone by, very few addicts had this last choice. Those of us today who are addicted, you know, we, we're in a better place. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we have a way out. We found a way out, and the best we can do, if we want to keep it, is share that living experience with that new addict that's coming in that's, that's got one day that don't know what it's like to get seven days. If I'd have talked to somebody with 10 years clean, it's, you know, when I first come in that first day, I probably couldn't relate to a lot of the things that I was saying at 10 years. But if somebody had two weeks, I would really, my ears, I would really hang right in there on his every word because that's the pain and shit that I was feeling. I can, you know, you, you know when you see it and you, you know when you hear it. You can see it in the face. Yeah, and you can hear it in the words too. Yeah. You know, just like that intense pain of addiction that, that we call it the true horrors when addiction has horrified you to a point to where, you know, you're really not sure if you can go on with or without. And you know there's nothing else for you to do. You've got to find a different way to live. If not, I know for a fact that I would be dead. I would die. If I didn't find it, a new way to live, way out of that hell I was living in, I couldn't have gone on much longer. I had already spent the better part of my youth and a big part of my adult life caught up in it and I just couldn't see being 50 60 still looking for a way out I got sisters just like that today 60 62 be 63 this year still smoking crack like she did when she was 20 oh no I'm sorry to hear that man that's hard um well you know that's that's where I'm at on that (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this has been like really, really good. I mean, you have just, you, it, it, it's, it's, it's just such a tremendous pleasure to hear you share this lived experience and this knowledge. Um, 
what I, I want to do now, just to close this out, I want to steer us to Denison real quick. Uh, and not just Denison, but, you know, folks who, let's say you, you got folks that are 18 years old and they're where we were at 18, you know, uh, drinking, drugging. What would you say to that 18 year old, you know? Um, First of all, I would, I don't want to ever assume automatically especially at that age, it's 18, 19, that that person is definitely going to cross that line into addiction. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, you know, uh, come out and start their careers and start families and stuff. Everybody, you know, I mean, large, large majority of people at that age uh, have... uh, if not the, the inner strength, they have the guidance of their parents or whoever's in their life to, you know, sort of keep them on the right road. But everybody, don't. so I'll be careful not to automatically assume that, you know, the people I'm talking to are going to face addiction at some point in their life. That's that really may smart. Not, that may not be true. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, go ahead. So, so I would approach it. And it's just me. Uh, by, you know, sharing a little bit of my shared experience. Yeah, that's, you know, people. there are people who can hear what happened to you and, you know, take it to heart and say, you know, well, you know, that's something I'm really going to be aware of and look out for. But, you know, uh, it is a matter of personal choice, you know, and, and a lot of people, their college days, that's what, that's a big part of it. You know, they go there to, to party and to study, but, you know, partying is a big part of it. And that's what they do. And uh, just pray that, you know, they come out of that and still have your wits about you and don't be all caught up in the addiction and, you know, you know, waste that education or, you know, go on to something even worse, you know, when, you know, worse, worse shit you can do than smoke some pot and drink some beer and liquor and shit. When you start fucking with the heavy stuff, you know, that's when your chance is less than average of making it out of there without the addiction. Your chance is less than average even making it out of school, matter of fact, the way that goes. But, you know, I really be, I'm really mindful of that, you know, that. That's on an individual basis. If you get to know people, then you know you get to speak with them. If, if, if that's something they pose as as an issue that they want to know a little more about, you know, addiction because you know something maybe something you said. Then I would you know be a little more you know forthright in saying you got to really what uh, all these studies. You might want to study addiction too. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. That actually fits right in with the liberal arts. Sorry, I interrupted. No, but you really might want to look at that too, because uh, you educate yourself. At least you'll go go into it with your eyes wide open. Won't be going into it blind like, you know, then you can can use that education to, to maybe make some healthier choices. I mean, and you certainly would want to. If you, if you, you hear the story of the true horrors of addiction, it's nothing that will 
impact you more on a deeper level than, than that, as far as, you know, sort of like moderating your behavior when it comes to drinking and experimenting and shit. Cause you know, at that age, man, you hold out a handful. Back in my day, you didn't hold out a handful of different mescalines or acid and shit. Every month there's just a new variety come out here and try this. Yeah. <laughs> you like that. Okay. Yeah. How many do I take? Uh, just take one. Okay, well, give me two then. <laughs> That's the way we do it. That's the way we do it. Then you take something that's like blows your mind and you're like, wow, that was, you know, <laughs> you know, but you know, those kind of buzzes, you can get to like two fucking months. You want to do that again. Yeah. You hit a, a bad trip or something, you get a bad batch or something. Or you get something that's just a little too fucking strong and you trip for 48 hours and shit all on yourself and all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. So, you just, you know, I'm, I'm 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 mindful of, of people you're talking to, and you know, don't make any assumptions based on what happened to me. You know, it may not be his path or experience, but yet that's something that's that's a knowledge base is good to to have. You know, and that will just knowing the, the nature of it and the true horse of it will, you know, if if you get it up here and internalize it, you know. Man, it'll help you moderate. You know, you won't be so quick to try that new shit they just got out and then just going around campus. I don't know if that happens up there. Oh, used yeah. to up, up we used to all the time. We used to go up there and get some good weed. Wow. <laughs> I might want to edit that part out too. Oh. But but uh it's you still see what true. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. See where I'm going with that? hmm So yeah. That's yeah. They have your fun, but don't don't have too much fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, we get to liking stuff a little too much. But at the same time, you know, these, I mean, if you if you make it to Denison University, you know, there's a good chance you you might be have a little more smarts than to get into the, you know, the deep into the weeds with the heavy shit and all that. But then again, you there's always that exception. I don't know, you probably did a survey, but Denison students who have tried heroin at least once. I mean, it's a blind test, you know, anonymous, of course. Uh, there'd be there'd be some in there. Oh yeah. Or you know, you go down the list of drugs, so it's not like you know, people are not going to try what they want to try. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be some shit that you might not want to try. You just take. <laughs> Take take Josh's word for it. That might not be good for the soul. No. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's I, I think that's where I, I, I think like, you know, every just kind of the recap what we've discussed. Um honesty and the truth really will set you free. And if you're in the throes of addiction, you need truth so much truth with yourself truth with other people addiction is a social disease too it 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 decays or eats at the connections you have with your family friends etc um and when we go to recover we have to find something to replace the drug abuse with something that 
well, you know, also be truthful and, and keep us, keep our traumas in check, I guess is, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but. Let me say this then. Go ahead. Uh, that's, that's what a whole lot of us have, have in common. Yeah. But once we take that, that honesty like that, without the other two, I mean, it's like a three-legged stool. Uh, that that open mind that says, okay, there's there's a different lifestyle that I can live that I'll love that that will be fifty times better than the buzz, fifty times better than I can ever get from any chemical fix. But I have to be willing to pride mm -hmm. open-mindedness open and, and the willingness goes with the honesty because without the actual action that you take that's the willingness to take action to resolve this in this moment once and for all to set this addiction in its place behind me yeah that's that's big that's big time stuff there man that's got that's launch that launches a lot of the long-term recovery, well, you know, long-term as in 30,000, 24 hours. Wow. Yeah. Long-term recovery is 24, 24, you know, it's, you know, until you, you look up and you say, damn, <laughs> 10 years later, really? How old are you? I'm uh, 30. <laughs> You'd be 40 with 10 years re uh, recovery? Yeah, uh, fifty with twenty years clean. It's like okay, I was I was three years clean at fifty. Hmm. That I mean, I see what you're saying, and what you're saying is, years, hey, hey, look, yeah. wait, let me see this. I got to put this part in there because it's true. All right, at sixty, uh, thirty years clean, you'd be a in a celebrity, <laughs> you you get you could travel the world, you could travel the country, sharing sharing strength and hope. People will look at you with utter amazement and awe. Hmm. Yeah, because so many people want more than that twenty four hours, but they don't know if you don't get the twenty four hours, you can't get the thirty years. You can't yeah. get the twenty four hours. You got to get that right. You get that part right, then opportunities are endless when it comes to thought, you know, behaviors. You be the real deal. Yeah. No, yeah. I feel, that makes me feel really That's fucking it. good, dude. <laughs> yeah. And it happens too, man. I'm, I'm coming up on 20 years, man. I'm like, whoa, dude, really? What's going on? I want to get behind the podium. I want to share what happened. Want to you know give you give you a look at what could be from a, a broke down old addict that the odds were really against me, stacked against me like you wouldn't believe. Hell, I was black, ex-con, you know. I mean, really, dope fiend, ex-con, black, grew up in the seventies, sixties, and seventies, where I'm already pretty jaded and pretty convinced that the world is messed up place and it ain't gonna get any better. I have it hasn't gotten any better in my lifetime. 
not to a point to where I could say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, it's not about the color of my skin anymore. I ain't even come close to that. It's gonna always be about the color of my skin. Probably the color of my kids' skin too. But I'm have some hope for my grandkids and my great grandkids. Maybe that's there's gonna be that reckoning that comes one day in this United States where uh, all things being equal, uh, the oppression and the discrimination and the prejudice and stuff will be somehow. I mean, not completely eradicated, but at least got to a point to where, you know, we no longer have to fear uh, retributions for something that, you know, happened. You won't know. have to worry about, you know, getting shot for sell or getting choked for selling, you know, tax-free cigarettes, yeah. you know, being able to go to the grocery store uh safely yeah um that's wouldn't have to worry about living on west main street mm -hmm. when when uh i mean it, that wasn't what a year and a half ago for some reason they thought it was a really good idea to throw flags and shit on and start running up down the street hollering nigga and all that i mean you won't have to close your door in fear because there's some, there's some, there's some white good old boys out there that, you know, just spoiling for a fight. That's that true. Could probably make their bones even if they went to prison for killing a black dude. They'd be, it'd still be a white, uh, lightweight celebrity and Aaron Brotherhood or some shit like that. You know, white folks take pride in that kind of shit and they hate. So yeah. you know, and uh, that's what a, a lot of that was what my dad feared. He feared that. One day, you know, they would get us. <laughs> uh huh. And I'm my grass. I'm I'm the guy to say one day, let them come on, bring it on, and see who get got. Yeah. I was willing to fight back, and it, and he was. It's just fear. Just was just a way of life. And uh, my anger turned me into a fighter. And you know, I mean, felonious assaults and all that shit. Later, it just ruined just filled me with the hate that uh, I fought so hard to rip myself up and I uh, went through me and uh, uh, Candace went through it together 12 step recovery through Christ group we worked out of the new life bible 12 steps out of out of the bible and uh, that was we did that for a solid year we did one step a month and uh I think everybody in that group come out of there changed. We was all really impacted deeply by that, and uh, never left me. I always have this abiding faith that you know, as long as it's about love, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be all right. But if it ever turns to where it's about hate again, then the house of cards will fall again. It'll be right back to where we once was. So I think as a race, we've made leaps and bounds talking about progress as a race, but there's always gonna be that one segment of the white society that's gonna be caught up in these old antiquated ideals about race. And yes. always look at others as the other. You know, never gonna, you know, we come face to face and all we see is a white man and a black man. You just don't see a man. It's gonna always be like that. 
I mean, I'm saying in my lifetime, maybe one day it won't be. But for now, uh, we got a long way to go. And the yeah. events of even yesterday proves that. I don't, I don't give a shit what nobody's. This is nothing new, nothing different. What it's always been. Now it's ramped up because, you know, you have uh, voices that at one time would never speak up and speak out are out there in the streets. I mean. Right now, right? Yeah, yeah. They're out there. So, you know, it's different now the pressure's on to do things you know make make the changes but the pressure's been on to make the changes since i was young back in the 60s and the 70s and stuff when, you know when um, people like fred hampton you know, cleveland and was saying the same same things you know you won't feed our people we will we have to take those you know practical steps to make things better for them especially for those that live in poverty and that you know don't have uh ways and means to do anything but take you know take it like the indifference that a lot of people around here does that you know they just i don't know what it is about black community in north but i know one thing that you know i i guess from the looks of things that even that's changing now we have these young folks that's coming up and a lot of them are young black college students or uh, I've seen quite a few of them college educated and uh, they have that fire that's necessary. Every generation has that segment that, you know, that they catch fire. And I mean, you see, you see it right now, man. You talking about protesting. Hey, this is, this is a real deal. It's, it, and, if, and it feels good to see that much commitment passion and that much drive and people that you know i'm wondering wow how the hell how are you making your money if you out turn the streets every day how don't you work how do you get away with that you know we'd have to i don't know what what we'd have to do to be able to be in two places at once but that's uh i'm i'm hopeful so proud. yeah i'm and i'm proud too I'm, you know i look at my like you know the, the, I won't tell you that 40 years from now you'd be like my age in your 60s thinking it's not going to happen in my lifetime maybe in my kids lifetime you'd be talking like me maybe in my kids if not my kids my kids great grandkids cause that you know that's just just the way I feel from my experience you know I've, I've had all that hope vacancy and said well baby eh more things change, the more they stay, stay the same when it comes to race. Mm -hmm. Just just the way it is. So, uh, yeah. There's so many, uh, the flip side, there's so many good, like-minded white people in this world that lets me know that, that the racist element is certainly a minority in a sense when it comes to uh, the whole. But yet, at the same time, those if you let those with those attitudes and those racist attitudes empower like you did with Trump, then it emboldens the the the, the followers. Mm -hmm. Now now he's gone, but they're just as fucking committed and passionate about 
maintaining this status quo when it comes to power in this country. You know, white man being at the top and the black and the browns being at the bottom, that's just, you know, they're going to do everything within their power to hold on to that. And right now, that's what they have. They have all the power. They have everything. They have all the time. They have all the money. And we're in for these young folks that's coming up now are in for the fight of later. Uh, you know, fight of history. But, uh, you know. Yeah, but there's going to be some still standing at the end. I don't know. You know, you know tell them which one of them is complete. There's going to be some still standing that's going to go through the next three, two, three decades fighting for justice, you know, fighting for equality, you know, uh, fighting uh, to alleviate the poverty in the United States and and they're going to be you know still standing and probably pass the baton on to the next generation uh, but at, at the same time there are you know there are we've won some some battles when it comes to you know um, all things being equal you know uh, when Barack, Barack Obama was, that was like one of the proud days of my life. You know, it's just, there's always something that reminds the world that uh, all things being equal to black man is, you know, even, I don't, I'm, are not black Americans, Americans. And that should be our place in this country. Yeah. And, uh, maybe one day, you never know. I yeah. ain't gonna think. I ain't gonna say I, ain't, I don't don't think it ever happened. It, it will. Yeah. No, I think that's a good. That's that's really optimistic, and I think it's it's empowering what you just said. I mean, you know, again, uh, I think most of the folks who listen to this will be dentists and students. So here they are hearing your lived experience and they're hearing you say after all these battles that you fought and won that you're hopeful that you know that a new generation and the new generation coming up has a fire in them that they're going to you know unleash and all that so but yeah i i think like you know i I, i'm trying to like think on the fly how to even end this because this has just been a yeah a, a good yes. conversation um like i i think eric well i'll in this way you know like i one of the things that's keeping me sober now seven let's see tuesday last tuesday at 2 p.m i dumped my kratom out so it's been a week nine days and you know when i see all this violence this white supremacy uh all of this bigotry it, it makes me more and more grateful to have achieved sobriety, you know, uh, to have a sobriety, to know I don't have to pick up, to know that I have freed myself to go out and fight the good fight. Does that make sense? It makes all the sense in the world just for the day. For this one day, we're both free to, you know, be, you know, be that voice. Addiction, it, 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 it quells all that. It just it takes it away. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, you're right. Like it just addiction is is you know 
something that's that's that that the people with the power who are you know the white supremacists it's it's what they want you know like they want people to be addicted and you know but anyways eric um this has been a great chat i it's always a great chat with you it's it's a goddamn shame i can't come over and we couldn't record this on your porch or and, and you know what's funny is we wouldn't be able to record on your porch because every time I'm over at your house talking to you, you, you got people honking their horns at you, man. It's, it's West Main, man. Yeah. It's West Main. Everybody knows West Eric Main. on West Main, dude. Like, it's insane. Um, How crazy, man. But that's just the mark you've had on the community, you know. Um, that's what your intellect and what your activism, your recovery activism has has built, you know. You've helped not just me, but a lot of other people see that if they want to take on the powers that be, well, you got to get sober first. You know, yeah. that's the effect that you had on me 